0: It's time for another episode of Buddy Cast. I'm here with my new buddy, Ed Underwood. How are you doing today, sir? Hey, Nick. I'm doing great, man. Thanks for having me on the show. It's a pleasure. The pleasure's all ours, you know. You've got you're a big name in show business, so I'm glad to have you.
1: <laughs> well, I am absolutely delighted to be here. Good to visit with you. And mm-hmm. uh and I- i've enjoyed the show i've been watching it the last few uh, a few days Ooh. and you've had some great guests on there and i'm i'm just glad to be here and be one of them
0: most definitely everyone's a buddy here on BuddyCast. i see that that's awesome mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. let me start by asking you're a man of many talents for example i hear you're a juggler a magician um, a musician let's start out with one of those talents magic okay. how do you think that <laughs>
1: Ah, okay. Well, yeah, I've done magic since I was nine years old, which is, uh, according to the uh, Centers for Disease Control, when the bug bites, most typically. So at nine years old, and I blame it all on my sister. My sister actually was a dancer, and then she became a choreographer and a dance instructor. So when I was growing up, she was always playing this music. And there was ballet with fluid movement and then there was the tap records which i like best because they were kind of jazzy you know and so she was always doing this movement thing and i heard all these musics and so the performing side of that kind of clicked with me and then magic on television Ooh. Um, yeah. Mark Wilson was my my TV idol. And at that time, he was doing a series of television shows for Pillsbury called The Magic Circus. And I was able to see those. And then he became the executive uh, producer on The Magician with Bill Bixby. Remember that TV show? A little action adventure magic thing lasted, I think, two seasons. I've Saw all of those religiously. And so I started to learn, went to the library, get library books. Eventually a magic shop came into the picture and no one was able to get me to stop. And so here I am now.
0: Nice. Sounds like a very developing talent. Sounds like very like something you just put your heart and soul into and never look back.
1: I. That's pretty much the case. Yeah, that's pretty much it. So I've mm-hmm. always loved magic. I love to watch it. I love to do it. Love to create it. It's it's just it's it's in the DNA at this point.
0: So nice. Nice. What about juggling? How'd you get into juggling?
1: Uh, Honestly, I I started uh, juggling after I was doing magic and I did it really for for money. Mm -hmm. I saw that there were a lot of gigs, really easy gigs you could pick up if you knew how to juggle. Mm -hmm. Because in in kind of bottom rung showbiz agent world, there's a thing my friend Mark Shelton from the Texas Commission on the Arts calls a geranium gig. And a geranium gig is when they put you in the corner like a potted plant. You're just there to add ambiance or a little extra happy to the proceedings or whatever. So they just kind of put you there. There's not really a set audience. You just kind of do your thing. So if you're a musician or something, that's a little tough. But you know what? If you're a juggler, I can start to interact with people and they will stop to watch me. And I can either do it as a display act and never talk to anyone Or I can start to involve people. So I have complete flexibility over there. And so I picked up a lot of these uh, gigs that were easy gigs. It's like, hey, show up for two hours, stay in the corner and juggle. And so I added that. And from that point, I really got into the creative side of what juggling could be. And in doing that, that's where that music kicked in with movement i had like silent acts set to music and then there were other things you could talk through and so i've always had some kind of juggling in my shows whether they be comedy shows or spook shows which i've done a lot and uh and then um you know straight magic shows and even what we're doing now with sonic cinema there's a little bit of juggling in there because i just the movement and the flow of these things to me is just hypnotic and fascinating
0: Nice. Hey, speaking of cinema, that reminds me of the next yeah. question. You are a producer for what's called Sonic Cinema Experience.
1: Yes, yes, I am. Yeah, uh, Sonic Cinema uh, is is a is a group that consists of myself, my lovely and very talented wife Karen, and our good good friend Kenton Nepper, uh, who is a brilliant magician. A lot of people listening to BuddyCast may know him. He's one of the innovators in mentalism and magic. He's created a lot of the magic you see on TV and in Las Vegas shows. What a lot of people do not appreciate is that he is a very gifted and intuitive musician. Mm -hmm. And and so it's the three of us there. We also have some uh, behind-the-scenes talent, a guy named Trent Wrench, who's a very funny comedy magician himself. He's a video segment producer and plays a character in our show who is very, very funny. And a guy named Ralph Forbus, who is our video segment producer. But in this show, we're basically three magicians, musicians, playing music to silent movie clips about magic. And the content of the show is to tell you about the history of magic. The first filmmakers were magicians. And they left an imprint on that art form that's still with us today. And it's a fascinating evolution how those very primitive things are just uh, the initial things that are extended into what you're seeing in all your great effects films. Right. So without those mm-hmm. early magicians, there's no Lord of the Rings. There's no star Wars. There's not even Sharknado. Yeah. So, so yeah. that's, yeah, I worked with that group and I'm that's, that's our new thing. And it's like, it's the culmination for all three of us of our kind of our lifelong passions are mm-hmm. all merged together perfectly in this show. So we're, we're really happy about this show.
0: That's awesome. You mentioned uh, Kenton there. You mentioned
1: yes,
0: how I did you guys meet? Because he's going to be on the show tomorrow.
1: Oh yeah, 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 fantastic. Yeah. Well, the truth is, uh, like many other people, I was learning mentalism and kind of deeper psychological and esoteric principles from from Kenton through his website, Wonder Wizards. And so I was a student of his, learning these things, putting them into my shows, and just developing some of the the thought process that he has been so innovative with, and then. I asked him a couple of questions like over Facebook messenger or something, you know, cause I, I was doing a lot of his material and a thing I was producing at that time called the ghost Hours show. And so I would have a question like, you know, if you did this and that, what do you think people, you know, and he was so gracious to answer me. I and mean, he didn't really know me, but he took time to answer me. And so we slowly got to know each other. And then uh, I got involved in a project to, uh, make a, an independent film about Carrie Nation and when I was going through with the people to cast this film, I wanted Kenton to play a part in that film uh, and I think it was the perfect role for him and so I got to know him because we were talking back and forth about this film and from there we had the shared interest in music and about two years ago, Karen and I moved here to Phoenix and we've been working on projects and started Sonic Cinema and we never did make that movie mm. so.
0: <laughs> it sounds like you got a you got a lifelong friendship out of it
1: oh absolutely yeah i mean we just we're so grateful for kenton and, and just his friendship alone is a huge piece of it and and needless to say we're very grateful to have his talent in the stable working on our projects and uh, the sonic cinema show it's just i I, mm-hmm. I can't measure how much that he contributes to that project and, and people are going to be flabbergasted, amazed and awed by, by what we roll out, you know, when they turn the world back on so we can tour. So. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Hey, if you're ever in Pennsylvania, you know where to stop.
1: Hey, we'll do it, man. We'll do it. <laughs> We're going to crash at Nick's place.
0: Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. I'm actually, uh, I'm actually in the works of that. I'll tell you after the show, but oh, if you do cool, need a place, man. yeah, if you do need a place, by all means, I got one for you.
1: Well, fantastic. Okay, that's a that's a deal. There, it's all just yeah. timing.
0: Exactly. Don't waste don't waste money on a hotel or anything like that. You know. Got it. So, um, you mentioned that you and Kenton are also musicians, correct? Yes. All right. What's it like being a musician for you? Oh,
1: well, uh, again, it's another one of these lifelong things for me. When when I was a kid, I was uh, classically trained on the violin. You see, mm-hmm. uh, in orchestra. And uh, then I I actually switched over and played bass for the Memphis Youth Symphony for a while and then kind of went on, got into uh, some later years and uh, rock and roll found me. And so I switched over to bass and guitar and then the bass doesn't it's this way instead of that way now. So Uh, so I started playing bass and guitar. And uh, again, I grew up with a lot of music and it all just kind of makes sense to me. Mm-hmm. And Karen, you know, my wife's a great singer songwriter. She's just Ooh. terrific at that stuff. And then we've got Kenton. So, yeah, uh, that's I've just always been swimming in those waters. And so I'm glad to be doing adding mm-hmm. to the amount of music we're creating now.
0: Nice. Let me ask you, who are you, some of your favorite musicians?
1: Ooh, well, see. OK, so funny story. When I was a teenager, mm-hmm. I went to the record store. And I picked out, and these were records, you know, records. Yep.
0: Vinyl, I got them.
1: <laughs> Vinyl, yeah. Mm-hmm. And and I, I, I had three albums, and I checked out, and the lady was checking it out. And I had Alice Cooper's Killer album, you know, with the snake on the front. Okay. Mm-hmm. I had Killer. I had uh, the latest uh, album from the Crusaders, which is kind of a smooth jazz thing. And I had Mike Oldfield's Tubular Bells which is an avant-garde instrumental psychedest. It's where the theme from The Exorcist came from. <laughs> I had all these and the, the ladies checking out. She looks at me. She goes, are these all for you? Yeah, they were. So I've always liked a lot of very diverse music. Uh, I, number one at the list, I'm a sucker for classic rock. I'm a, I'm a diehard cheap trick fan uh, to the point of irritating everyone who knows me. I uh, like Deep Purple, all that classic stuff, that big rock stuff. I love that. And on the flip side, yeah, man, I I love um, uh, the the complex instrumental stuff. Again, grew up with my sister's dance records, so I I love orchestral stuff. George Winston, solo piano. Kenton's solo piano stuff. All fantastic. And one of my heroes, all-time heroes, not just because of the music, which is fantastic, but because of the kind of person he is, is Victor Wooten. From uh, Bela Fleck and the Fleck Tones. What a great guy, what a massive talent, and what a great human being. So I he's he's a role model for me, Victor Wooten is.
0: Very nice. What about uh, what about magicians? Who did you grow up like following and modeling after?
1: Well, Mark Wilson was first because I saw him on TV, right? Mm-hmm. And so the TV guy you see, you know, that's kind of strikes with you. Uh, from there, as I started getting into magic, I was looking for some other people with different styles. And there's a whole lot of people that, that I really enjoyed. Harry Blackstone Jr., a second generation, great name in magic, uh, had a great show. And I learned a lot about how to stage a show, how to plan those peaks and valleys and keep a rhythm moving through a full evening show from watching Harry Blackstone. Uh, but you know, I loved the stand up guys, you know, in the 80s. I was doing axe juggling and stuff in the comedy clubs, so I, I loved Harry Anderson, you know, on night court, but he <laughs> was a kind of a comedy magician before and after the TV stuff. Uh, so I loved him. Uh, I loved Doug Henning, uh, in the days when Doug was the big television ma- magician, and Doug did something that a lot of people don't. Don't realize they watch him and they're just entranced by him, but they don't understand that what Doug Henning really did was he put wonder back into magic. Magic had kind of become sort of like, hey, want to see a trick? <laughs> you know, it had gotten kind of schmaltzy and it was all mm-hmm. like tricky, trick, trick, trickity. And then Henning comes by and says, there are many wonders in the world. and And it may have been a little corny, but it worked. He had all these bright colors, his sets and everything. And, and I think that's one reason he resonated with people was he was a breath of fresh air and positivity uh, that brought in this whole sweep of this sense of wonder and that things could be better than they are. And so I love hinting for that. Um, I have Jeff McBride, uh, big influence. I'm wearing my Jeff McBride uh, magic school button right there. Oh, nice. Uh, yeah. So uh, Jeff, you know, the mask act and these you know, he was a character on Star Trek. They made mm. a special role for him. So I always enjoyed a lot of what Jeff has done. Uh, just great stage Richard Ross, all these names that very few people will recognize in the public, but they are great, brilliant, innovative magicians. I love them all collect them all.
0: <laughs> so. mm-hmm. Have you ever worked with Jeff? Like, have you ever like, like yeah. been to the tour or anything like that? Like I know well, he yeah. I know you went to, I know you went to a school personally, but like, have you ever like come back and taught a course or something like that?
1: I am not, not in, in association with, with uh, like the mystery school in Vegas, that Jeff mm-hmm. runs in association with that. I've not, I, I haven't done a lot of teaching except for a couple of people personally. And mm-hmm. i made a change to that here recently. And I will we'll talk about that later, but uh, um I, I've I've had the pleasure of. I, I, we used to work at a theater. We had Jeff in for two stage shows, and I emceed those. And we had master class and lectures and workshops. So, so I was very blessed to have that time. Been to Vegas and magic and meaning, and him and the staff. They're just they're fantastic. So, so yeah, I mean, it's all been great uh, to be associated with that. Now mm-hmm.
0: well, let me ask you this. I like to ask all of my magicians that come on the show. What is okay. your David Joy from Performing.
1: Oh, hmm. One I can tell in public. Mm-hmm. OK, so I'll tell you what I'll do. Since you, you have a very positive show here, Nick, and I yeah. want to tell you I appreciate that. I will tell you an inspiring story that taught me a lesson instead of like a, a dirty, humiliating thing, which there's, yeah. a, there's yeah. more of those. But still, uh, at one point uh, I was doing shows in Branson, Missouri. And uh, one of those was, I was a cave guide and historian in Marvel Cave. Marvel Cave is the first attraction in Branson. Without Marvel Cave, there would be no Branson, Missouri. And so I would go down and and took people through this cave. And of course, I worked magic into my presentation, okay? And the last tour of the day was called the Lantern Tour. And you went through the cave just carrying an old-time lantern, you know? And so you would make it a little spooky and a little mysterious and tell ghost stories, things like this. So I got to be um, um, pretty well known for for doing a pretty good lantern tour. But it was the last tour of the day. So you worked, you did your tours all day, and then it was like whoever gets the short straw, you know, has to do the last lantern tour. Because it was an hour and a half instead of an hour. It was late at night. And this was during a thing we have called um, Midnight Madness. Moonlight Madness. And they would stay open until 11 or 12 o'clock. So by the end of the day, man, I've done five, six tours through this cave. There's 700 stairs, 50 stories underground, climbing around. I've done like five of those already. Gets to the end of the day. And it's like, hey, Ed, you're doing the Lantern Tour. And I'm like, Fine. You know? <laughs> and I was not in a particularly good positive frame of mind. And then to make it even worse, I go up to the desk in my Lantern Tour clothes with my lantern. And it's uh, uh, a guy and his son. That's it. Two people. Little kid and a guy. Great. Because, you know, it takes an hour and a half to tell those stories when you have 50 people going with you. And when there's just one, you know, things tend to compress and go by pretty fast. So then you have to stretch that out. I'm like, okay. So I go down there and I'm doing my thing. And one of the things I put in the show... there's a room in there with a a flat ceiling. In fact, the whole reason that place happened was this explorer back in the 1800s thought the ceiling of the cave was made of marble. He was wrong. It's not. It's just, you know, it's limestone. But he thought under his candle glow, it looked like marble. So he got a whole mining company to come get the marble, which there wasn't any. That's how that town started. So we go in that room and we light up a candle. just one candle in this big dark room 50 stories underground oh it's it's a sensation right and so at some point I take this candle and uh and I reach up into the flames and I say out of the flames of that old city was born silver dollar city and it's a shiny silver dollar that I pluck out of the flame of this candle I do this every day day in and day out Well, at that particular moment, when I pull that silver dollar out, the little guy, young man down there, probably 10, 11 years old goes, oh, and it reminded me why we do magic. You know, I may not have been in the best mood, but here is a, this kid is having a wow moment. It Mm -hmm. really connected with him. And that's, that's what we're after. You know, with our magic, we don't want it just to be a thing you look at and it's gone. If possible, we want this to have some kind of emotional weight with you that you really have a moment of wonder. Uh, and it's not that you're just so taken with the illusion we created or something. It's that you feel life's full of possibilities and unexpected outcomes. That's and when he did that, I was like, wow. And I gave him the silver dollar and we went on and did the rest of the tour. Well, that's probably my favorite story. Uh, They taught me a lesson about you don't know who's coming on this tour and how this is gonna, what it's gonna mean to them. So don't shortchange them. So even after a long day, I'm like, let's do it. You know?
0: Exactly. Exactly. Who you gonna, you know? What's that? You never know who you're gonna.
1: Oh, absolutely. Yeah, you really don't. I mean, it's it's impossible to say uh, Mm -hmm. who they are. And the other thing it's impossible to say is what. what their situation is you know people struggle with all kinds of stuff and and that was really the great thing of being at, at like at marvel caves a big tourist attraction right so mm-hmm. these people are coming on vacation they have lots of cares and worries they carry with them and suddenly here's an opportunity to break out of those worries and that everyday stuff and do something special so yeah absolutely really you got to love your audience
0: most definitely, most definitely. definitely. Do you have, like,
1: yeah. a, um, a favorite
0: funny story that you can keep clean? <laughs>
1: uh, yeah, yeah. Also, at the cave, uh, there was another guy there. he's a very talented young actor. In fact, he just got picked up by an agency, I think, for TV work, named Aaron Campbell. He was a tour guide there, too. And Aaron and I are both pretty good at doing voices and dialects. And uh, so we, we made an agreement one day, and this is how we kept ourselves amused. Uh, he was up there being British. You know, and he's not, of course, but he was up there going, oh, yes, step to the right here. We'll begin our tour in just a few minutes. I think we're going to have a lovely time. So come on this way. Watch your step. Watch your step. And so he's doing that. And so he agreed that I would be Scottish. So I'm like, the tour is going to go down in the hole. So you better get yourself moving along with me. Okay, so we're doing that. And I'm going to be Scottish. He's going to be British. So I followed his tour. At the end, uh, we, we got there and the two tours met in that room with the marble ceiling. And Aaron and I, on purpose, bumped into each other, and like acted like we hit heads. And after that, I was British and he was Scottish. And he just <laughs> took his group and left, and I took my group and left. Okay, this way, everybody. We're going to continue our tour this way. Good to see you, Aaron. You know. So, so yeah, that was. At least we had a lot of fun with that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
0: I'm sure the audience uh, got a out of it
1: too. They did, yeah. The the ones, it took some of them uh, like uh, uh, a couple of minutes to, like, yeah. (laughs) You know, they had to figure out what happened there. But yeah, I think they enjoyed it, yes.
0: Mm All righty. Now, in your own words, what do you think it means today to be someone's buddy?
1: Oh, man. (sighs) Listen, buddies, friends, are people who help us find our higher selves, right? They mm-hmm. are people who encourage us, and sometimes they, they may just be simply enduring us, <laughs> but, but they help us find our higher selves. To have people you like and admire who respect you likewise is just one of the greatest gifts that life has to offer, and that's why it's important to always be ready to be somebody's friend. Uh, goes back to that audience thing, right? You don't know what anybody's dealing with, and it brings out the best in us when we're friendly and helpful and give what we have uh, to assist others. So it's big. The buddies are big.
0: Exactly. Now, speaking of giving, if you could have our audience donate to one charity of your choice, what would it be?
1: Uh, if I could have you donate to a charity, uh, I would say... Find in your local area the food bank or rent assistance because a lot of people are hitting the skids right now. I mean, it's not even funny. Uh, This this whole thing we've had and if they were getting assistance from programs because they lost their jobs on the virus or whatever, that help is not there anymore and who knows what's going to happen with it. So locally, food banks, rent assistance, those folks have all been hit hard. Their resources are being depleted at record rates and at this point there's no federal assistance coming. Find those local organizations that help people right there in the immediate sense and please support them.
0: Beautiful. I love that. So now it's time for what I call the ultimate buddy cast buddy question. Okay. You ready for it? I'm ready. This is going to be a two-part question for you. Okay. The first part is, what is your advice to anyone who wants to be a magician?
1: Okay. My advice is Go to the library, check out a couple of books, start reading it, see if any of this makes sense to you. (laughs) Beyond that, I would say join one of the big magic organizations if you know you want to pursue this. There are two uh, that are the two largest. There's the IBM, which stands for International Brotherhood of Magicians. And there is the S, which is the Society of American Magicians. You can find them online online. You can join them for a few bucks. You get a magazine every month that tells you who the magicians are that are working. There's some creative stuff in there. There's some ways to learn magic through there. And many of those uh, those organizations have local groups that meet. They have like little clubs. You can be part of the magic club. And in that case, you're going to see people do this stuff live. You'll find a buddy. So that would be my advice is hit the books first stay off of youtube it, if you're trying to learn magic tricks just 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 tank it man just the youtube stuff is not really teaching you much of anything they may expose some tricks or something like that but that's not the same as getting real education or having a real teacher it's a lot of it's just garbage and so i would avoid that get the books and find the local people who actually do magic they'll be happy to show you things and show them to you the right way
0: nice I love that advice. I love how it's you know, don't just you know don't just take the fast route of hey let's go to YouTube. Yeah, go right. into it like deep dive into it, study it, be you yes, know be part of it.
1: It, mm. it you know what one of the great things about magic is, and as long as I've been at it, you're never done. You've never learned it all. You've never seen it all. You've never created it all. It it's 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 like playing the guitar or something like that. You can go on the rest of your life. Still learning, still enjoying, and still having new horizons in front of you. And that's awesome because it keeps you reaching for that next level.
0: You never stop learning. You learn something new every day.
1: Absolutely you do. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Now, the part two of the question is, what about advice for someone who wants to be a juggler?
1: Oh, yeah. Well, uh, you know, there's there are ways to do that. When I was learning to juggle, you had to learn from a book. Mm -hmm. And in the case Mm -hmm. of magic, I think the books really are the key because there's so much. uh, The guys that wrote the books back then, they put their heart and soul, blood, sweat and tears into this. Uh, And and so there's so much more there. In the case of juggling, I got to tell you, it's a little hard to learn from a book. (laughs) Somebody says, throw the ball at a 90 degree angle and pause for three seconds. Then, you know, all of that translating into real time is a little bit difficult. So in the case of juggling, I think that either learning from... There are also uh, juggling clubs. There's a group called the International Jugglers Association. just so like the magicians groups. And they have local clubs too, where you can meet somebody. Uh, but I recently, funny you should ask, I recently put out a an eight video lesson course on teaching someone how to do basic juggling. Because over the years, I've taught old people, young people, little kids, other entertainers, and I've tried to make it a very express kind of fast path to get you doing the basic things i mean again you'll spend the rest of your life pursuing this if you want you'll never run out of levels you could go to but to get you started i've created this uh as a really quick way to do it and it's just called the course in juggling or uh, metaphorical multitasking tasking and uh, I'm, I'm just selling that through social media in fact i'm going to do something for you guys for buddy cast listeners the course came out last Monday, it was fifty dollars for eight video lessons. We were kicking it off at half price, 25. I'm gonna do something for you guys. I'm gonna make it 20, but only for buddy cast listeners till midnight tonight. Okay, so I'm gonna All put right. the link, I'm gonna put the link in the thing underneath uh, underneath the program there uh, to do the picture. And if you send 20, I'm gonna send you back three file transfers, they're big files, you're gonna have to download them. You're going to get those. There's eight lessons on there. It'll get you started juggling, kind of give you the inside scoop on that. Mm-hmm. And so that, I think that's a great way to start. And that's why after all these years, I finally put some of that on video.
0: Mm-hmm. Is there a code that
1: our buddies have to know or anything? Nope. like that? The, the magic thing that I'll know you're a buddy cast listener is you go to that PayPal link and just put 20 in. Not 25, Bye. not 50. 20 for you. And that's till midnight tonight. <laughs> and I will be bopping back those eight video files at you.
0: Sounds great. Sounds really good. Hey, let's end the note. I think we should end the show on a really interesting note here. Do you think you'd be willing to give us a little performance
1: of some sort? I can't. Well, I wanted to show you a couple of things. Uh, mm-hmm. First, we're talking about juggling. I'm going to show you one of the reasons why I think juggling is important. Okay. Uh-huh. So I'm going to back up here. you like, this is my liquid crystal background here. Ooh. Like, yeah, that's a Copperfield background. I might float a car in front of that or something. You never know. All right. So I'm going to start juggling, but here's, there's a unique thing I want to show you because it's, I know that juggling helps people with grace and poise, with hand-eye coordination, with spatial concepts. And that's something important because our world is flattening out to screens. And a lot of people are feeling kind of clumsy. They don't really know how they fit in the space they're in. And if you're a performer, that's especially important. This is where movement comes in because you need to occupy that space and use it. Juggling can be a big help with that. But here's what I'm gonna show you. Okay, watch real close. I'm gonna start pattern here. All right, there you go. I know I can't back up far enough for you to see my hands, but it's going, but here's the thing. I am not looking at the balls. I'm looking directly at you, okay? I don't need to look at the balls because my muscle memory and my mind and perception have sharpened to the point where I can follow this without looking at it. And if I make a different toss, my brain will correct it. So that's one reason juggling is important for people, especially for other performers. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Now uh, we'll, we'll show you something else here. I think it's pretty cool. Sonic cinema is all about film and, uh, The film, we've done so much with this film, finding these old films and stuff, it's become uh, really, it's become a big part of us. I mean, it's almost in our, hold on a second, sorry. Oh, Oh, that's good. Oh. Oh, wow. Oh. Oh, film part of a oh, wow, hold I'm sorry, <laughs> it's become such a part of us it that uh, it's really kind of hard to separate things. But what I want to do for you here, let me get this piece of film up here, yeah, you know, uh, film is, is such a big part of what we do. So we've been getting into these old films and it turns out that film restoration is a big, big deal now, right? The, especially with these silent films some of which they thought were lost forever. So we've been working on that because restoration is a magic word. Magicians restore things. So I'm gonna show you a piece of film here. This is from a movie right there. And I'm gonna fold this over. And i want to do this really, really careful because I know you have like tricky magicians in your audience. So I want to make sure they see everything that's going on here. Nothing in my hand. Piece of film up here. Right. Mm-hmm. All right. So <laughs> here we go. These films uh, sometimes get get damaged. Um, they can have a deleted scene. And, uh, you know, there's like a movie we did with Sonic Cinema called West of Zanzibar. And Lon Chaney Sr. is doing the billiard ball routine, which all magicians would. I would love to see Lon Chaney doing uh, the billiard balls. So there's all kinds of things here that uh, can happen to these films. They get lost. Old nitrite films could actually explode or catch fire. So it's some crazy, crazy stuff that can go on with these movies. And and you could lose a whole scene out of it. So we have found a way, using magic, to restore these films, and that is called magic in the movies.
0: Wow! Right that was awesome. I'm pretty sure half my producer friends back at work just had a just had a panic attack after they see the film just going clip clip.
1: Yes, I know. Yeah, uh, this stuff's pretty amazing. It is, and uh, good old celluloid there. So we we work with all of that now, and uh, and that's just we've created a lot of new magic. Uh, Kenton and Karen and I, popcorn boxes. We have film. We have, you know, all kinds of stuff going on, and uh, that's. Incredible. But I like that. We call that deleted scene.
0: Ooh, I love it a lot. That's that was perfect. I'm gonna end. I'm gonna... I'm going to end on this question for you. Where can people go to find out more about about your work, about, like, say, more about your juggling, more about your magic, even your music?
1: Okay. Uh, uh, Right now, we're putting all those eggs in one basket, and that is through the Sonic Cinema Experience. So our website, soniccinemaexperience.com. We'll tell you all about the show. It has our kind of bios on there, some behind-the-scenes stuff. There are music videos. Uh, We just dropped a new music music video, uh, uh, I think, yesterday or the day before. And uh, so you'll see some examples of our work, and it'll describe things there. Uh, I don't have any links about the juggling course. Again, that's just you can find that on my Facebook page, which is actually Edward Underwood. That's the name my mother gave me. As and uh L. Underwood, and there's information about that there. But again, I'm going to post your the PayPal link underneath the comments in this show. And for BuddyCast listeners, send twenty, you get the video course. Okay.
0: Amazing. Well, thank you for, well, thank so for being a buddy here. It was an honor and a pleasure to have you. Stick around for a little bit. We'll chat here a little bit afterwards. But
1: yes,
0: for all, all right. my out there. This is my new buddy, Edward Underwood. Ed Underwood, thank you again for being a buddy here on BuddyCast.
1: You're more than welcome.
0: To all my buddies out there, don't forget, go be someone's buddy today. Do it. We'll catch you next time here on BuddyCast.